Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hey, this is Amory Zanzel, and it's another episode of Queer Business Success. I am so excited to welcome John Sovic to the show today. Among many, many other things, he is the author of a new book called Out, A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. Welcome, John, to the show. Thank you so much. And yes, that title is a mouthful. <laughs> oh it is a mouthful, but it's really important. And I think it goes to the scope of the book. So John is a therapist and has done all kinds of work with all kinds of people over the years. Um, if you really want to hear John's story, you can go and listen to my other podcast, Coming Out and Beyond. Um, it's just a coincidence. We both use that name. <laughs> or maybe it's not. Um, so uh, John and I want to talk about the business of writing a book today. Um, and so first of all, John, I want to thank you for that book. I read parts of it in preparation today for this podcast because I have a non-binary child. So I sort of skipped to that part of the the the, uh, the book. And what I said to John is he has such an approachable style. So let's talk about, you have such good information. So if you're a parent out there that is you know, wondering what LGBTQIA plus means. John even goes through that and explains all those things that if you are a straight parent or even a queer parent and your kid is coming out, he really puts it in perspective about what that whole journey is like for you, your child, for you, for your child, but also for you as a parent. So thank you, John. It's really a wonderful read and so approachable, really approachable. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's one of those passion projects. Um, I've been doing this work for a long time, and it's always been in there. And it is about this whole journey of, of bringing it out into the written word and trying to transfer it so it's readable and approachable and understandable. And that's, you know, quite quite a journey. You know, mm -hmm. I think as a therapist and a coach, like everyone says, oh, when are you going to write a book? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's almost like other people see the book in you before you do sometimes, you know? Absolutely. So take us to the beginning. How did this book get written? Or how did the start of this book happen? Because I know it takes a long time to get a book from A to published. Yeah, it's really, really interesting because I didn't know about that time journey part of it. Mm -hmm. And I did work with a publisher and it took about two years for the full process. And the way this all began is, so I have a history of a lot of work in the HIV and AIDS community. It's something mm -hmm. I've been doing for quite a long time. And the publisher had actually reached out to me because of my work in the HIV and AIDS community about a book that they were interested in trying to put together. 
Um, we talked a little bit, and after I had you know done this interview with the editor, I took a week and I really thought about it, and I looked at who I am now, and I still do the HIV work, but it's more ancillary right now. Mm -hmm. And what I really do passionately, 24 hours, seven days a week, is working with LGBTQIA plus kids and their families when they're coming out. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the author, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm that person who will just jump into the deep end of the pool and take a risk. And I said, I want to thank you so much for this offer to write this HIV book. But I don't know if it's authentic to who I am right now and the messages I'm sending out into the world. I'd like to propose to you that I write a book about supporting parents who have queer kids that are coming out. And the editor thought for a moment, she said, that sounds really interesting, especially because we're trying to grow our, our, our LGBTQ um, uh, part, of the, part of the organization. And so she and I talked for a while and we started putting together some ideas of what the book might look like. And then she handed me off to another editor um, who is actually the person who was starting up this part of their organization. And he and I had an amazing, amazing conversation. It went on for hours. And by the end of it, we were like, we have a book here. Then he guided me through the process of getting it through all of their layers of, of management and approval. You know, everybody has to has everybody has to have a sign off, you know, when you're working with a publishing company. And that was the start of this whole process. Can you take talk just a little bit about the sign-off? So so you met this editor. And um, he, it's a he. So he was like, this is a really great idea. I think we can do this together. So what happens to a book once an editor decides to work with you? I know sometimes people go through the literary agent work route, but that didn't happen with you. Right. So you, you went right to the editor who worked for the publishing house, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what type of, like, I'm just curious, like, what? who has to sign off on what? <laughs> well, Publishing houses are businesses, and there are all kinds of layers of management. And although mm -hmm. Andrew and I, that's my publisher, had thought this was a brilliant idea, he still has to get it approved by all these upper levels of management, because mm -hmm. they're going to be investing in this process. And so he and I worked together to craft a proposal for the book. And what it basically did was looking at who I am, what my experience is, um, some samples of other writing that I'd already done, some outlines of what chapters might be included in the book, and then this whole approach on how my book would be different than other books that cover this same topic. Mm -hmm. And so we created this. It was actually basically, when you came down to it, about a page. And then he took that and did all of the things that he does that he knows management will like it to look that way. And then he takes it to them and they have their meetings and all the editors pitch things that they want to work on. And then they I agree see. to sign off on it. Mm -hmm. And then once they agree to sign off, it it actually goes up another level. And there's this like, you know, I, let's call it a management committee. And they do the final sign off if we're going to commit to working on this particular type of book. So when you got the, hey, we're going to do this, how did you feel? I'm just curious. <laughs> Were you like, oh, shit, now I got to do this? Or like, yay! <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. Um, once again, as I said, this is work I've been doing for a long time. I The information is just so solid in my entire body and being I and brain understand. that I was so excited to have a way to channel it and bring it out into a wider market. 
Okay. So now I would assume then you, uh, that you had to now go write this. <laughs> was it easy? Was it, uh, was it easy? Is, was it easy as you thought it was going to be? Was it, I mean, because it, when you know all this stuff, like, like working with people who come out and later in life, I could do it in my sleep because I've been doing it for a while now. Um, it's so ingrained in me. Um, was it like that for you birthing your baby here? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it was a really beautiful process because the information was really deep inside of me. And the thing that I've known, I do a lot of trainings. I do a lot of public speaking on this. I do a lot of conferences and media work. So I knew what my messages were. Mm -hmm. What I had to do was actually figure out how to hone them down to make it into a concise book. Because ultimately, if you think about the work you do and the work I do, I mean, this could be like a 14 volume set mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with every aspect of it getting its own book. So it really was for this book is trying to hone it down to the questions I hear the most from parents, the things that are most concerning that parents are going through in their process. Mm -hmm. And so honing that down actually makes it easier to write because then I knew what I had to do. And the thing that's really shocking and anyone who's going to write, you're going to hit this little moment where like in my contract, it actually says that this book will be between, be between 50 and 70,000 words. And you see this number and your brain goes, I don't have 70,000 words of information to me. This is really scary. And then you start breaking it down in these smaller chunks. And then I started writing. And what would happen is the information would come out, but then also everything around the information would come out how a parent might be feeling, some personal anecdotes of things from my life or things that I had worked with with other people, where this information was coming from, kind of finding these, these, these ins and outs in each chapter. And all of a sudden, it's just like, oh my God, I wrote 5,000 words in this chapter. I need to actually hone them down now. So it is about taking this big, big, big number of words, chunking it down, and then getting into the flow of each of those chapters. And that's where it became really natural for me. My editor was really, really good at helping me find this voice that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what we mean when we use the word voice is it's a tone, it's an energy. Mm -hmm. um, how he described it is it's most as if the person were talking to you versus reading words, because reading words can get very, very stilted very quickly. And mm -hmm. for a clinician, they can get incredibly like psychobabble really quick. I know. Absolutely. And so he really helped me to hone down into this voice. And once those pieces started to line up, the process became really, really clear. Mm -hmm. You definitely have a, a particular voice about this in your book, in the book. It is definitely like, um, I love when I was reading the stuff when you, um, in, um, when you're talking about when you have a trans child and some of the things like wearing a binder or packing and all those things like that, when you're not in the straight world, like these are very, very form and very, like very, you just don't know these terms in the queer world. You may know these terms and, um, it, it, <laughs> In the book, he's like, okay, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I was just thinking to myself, now I've heard all these terms and I have a non-binary child that is bond is binding now. And I'm like, gosh, I thought about the mom or the dad 
or the caregiver of a child who is like never like had any exposure to any of this and how foreign it must feel to them. You know, these these words and these these terms and what what's going to happen. And what I love about it is that you made it feel accessible like do it a little chunk at a time, you know? And I love how you divided that chapter into chunks, you know, (laughs) because there is definitely, just like every other journey in life, there is journeys for trans kids and non-binary kids as they go through the process. They may, and they may stop at any point in that process too. It's not like everybody goes the full medical route. I mean, some people do not. So I really appreciated the way you broke that down, John. I really did. Thank you. And the thing that I think is important in any of these moments is for most parents, you are cisgender, heterosexual, your kid is LGBTQIA+. There are going to be so many pieces of that language and journey and the internal process they're going through that you may not understand or get. And Mm -hmm. so for me, the job of this book and, and sitting down with people is to say, I know you are having fears right now. And those fears are often based in what you don't know. Because when we're left alone in a dark room, what do we do? We start imagining all the creaks and noises as being something dangerous for us. Right. So I get to light a candle, say, come here, come here. Let's just sit down for a little bit. Let's have fun and let's address those fears. And that's that place of finding that voice of making it so parents aren't even scared by me using words like binders and and packers because they've never heard those words. Mm -hmm. How do you make that approachable? And especially in writing a nonfiction work, you have to really address that stuff very, very gently and a nurturing manner so that you can bring a parent along with you rather than seeing this word, hearing what it is and freaking out and throwing the book across the room. <laughs> right, right. And, and people may do that anyway, mm-hmm. but they know it's there mm-hmm. and they can come back to it when they are ready. Sometimes you're just not ready to digest information like that, mm-hmm. but at least you know it's there and you can go back to it at some point. So the interesting thing, actually, I want to address this too, the way you use the book, Mm -hmm. I am finding uh, a lot of the people who are reading this book are actually doing that as well. The exact same thing. That they are reading what they need right now. Mm -hmm. They are finding this thing that's addressing what they're going through. Oh, my kid's starting to get in relationships. They jump to the relationship chapter. Uh Uh-oh, it's time for that sex talk. They jump to the sex chapter. You know, I'm fearful of my kid being safe in the community. They jump to those chapters. So it's interesting to hear how important it is. And this is something that um, I worked with the editor about is chapter titles and then indexing it in a way so parents can jump to what they need. And that's another one of those things that you get from a publishing company that you may not get if you're self-publishing. Well, what I really, really appreciate about the book is the the questions you ask at the end of each chapter, because it is, it's almost like a Socratic method <laughs> where you just ask these questions for people to consider. And I think, I mean, I don't remember them particularly what, you know, what they were, but I really love like the questions for self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Because when a fam when a person comes out as queer in a family, it affects the family system. Mm-hmm. When mom and dad come out, when kids come out, it affects, even though it mostly affects the person coming out, 
it does affect the constellation of people around them in different ways, you know? And I love, I really love that method of asking questions at the end. I think that's really helpful. And a lot of times people love that because they'll think, they'll just, they'll think about, (laughs) you know, and then most of the time get to a good place on their own, I would find, right? Well, that's one of those things. And I'll tell you a story about how those questions came about. So I had actually been writing some of these questions on chapters for things that I thought I might need to cover in those chapters. And when I sent one of my drafts to the editor, he saw those and he's like, I think you may have an idea here. Mm -hmm. And then we went back and forth and I came up with this idea. They're called questions for contemplation. Yes. What they are at the end of each chapter, they are things for parents to ask themselves. You know, if we look, especially like at the trans non-binary chapter, the end, it says that one of the questions is something like, you know, what did you learn about gender growing up and how does it affect how you're interacting with your kid? And so it's about sitting in those spaces. So you're not just reading my information. I'm inviting you, the reader, to also take in. Mm -hmm. So I kind of created my own little demon because then I had to come up with five for every single chapter. (laughs) Why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah, but it really was fun because they start once I understood what I wanted them to be. They started coming more naturally where I just go back and read the chapter and say, ah, this is a place where I want a parent to contemplate what we talked about. And so every chapter has five of these questions. And that's the other thing that's fascinating about this writing process is it is going to develop along the way. It's Mm -hmm. not just a static, I'm going to sit down and write this thing from beginning to end. As you take the journey, things are going to open up. Things are going to become really apparent. You know, I, I want to own something that I purposely pulled out of the book. It's, it's talked about very little, but I was going to ask specific chapters and I realized it was too big a concept to just put in the book. And I really want to address coming out in different communities of color, Mm -hmm. um, in different cultural stories. And what I realized very quickly in that is, first of all, you know, I'm a white male and I wanted to be very, very careful and respectful and culturally humble as I stepped into those conversations. What I also realized very quickly was these were entire books in themselves and maybe not books that needed to be written by me. And Mm -hmm. so I talked to them very specifically and said, I would like to pull these chapters out because I do not think I can do them the justice that they need. And we had a little go back and forth about it, but ultimately they agreed with me and we were able to make the thing flow together and still have some coverage for that without me putting myself as an expert in coming out in communities of color. And I think that was a really, really important moment of change in the book. Well, I also noticed that you did it with with the when you're talking about transgender and non-binary folks, because you talked about, you know, you're a cisgender white man. <laughs> And although you have an enormous sympathy, education, and empathy, you you do have never had that experience. Mm-hmm. So you you know you're just speaking from a place of knowledge and a lot of compassion because you've had plenty of non-binary and trans kids that you've worked with over the years. So was there anything like like any type of um, when you submitted a chapter or something and you're like, this is the best chapter ever. And you get the feedback you get and you're like, oh, did anything like that happen in this writing process for you? So <clears throat> to be honest, a little bit of that happened in every chapter. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it's an important process of working with others when you're writing. Because I write something that I think is brilliant and makes a lot of sense and is totally crystal clear. And then you hand it off to your editor and they're reading it for the first time. Yeah. And they're like, that paragraph was really cool, but I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Or it feels like you shorthanded it and I need you to expand to help us more. You know, this is newbies for us. This is a fresh read for us. I need you to start expanding on that. Mm-hmm. And that helped me grow as a writer um, to understand the art of storytelling and writing. Mm-hmm. That it isn't just about this is this and that is that, but it's like, this is this, and here's some reasons why, and here's what you might feel about this being such and such, and how can you approach it? And what do you need to do to support that question that you're having? So it really opened me up as a writer to be more expansive and generous in my writing. So I just have a really, a question of curiosity because is your, was your editor of the, in the community as well? Okay. So did they have it go by, did they pass it through somebody who's not gay? Yeah. I am really curious about that because I'm like a straight parent reading it who may have a queer child. You know, I'm curious. So let me share you the layers of how how each chapter was written. Mm-hmm. So I my writing mornings were Friday mornings and Sunday mornings because I see clients Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I really set aside and anyone who wants to write, you need to open up your calendar and block off times for yourself to write. Don't just let it be a, oh, I've got a few hours I should go write. Be purposeful. Mm-hmm. Friday morning, mm-hmm. Sunday morning were my writing times. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I would write the most brilliant chapters ever imagined on the face of the earth. <laughs> and then I would send those chapters finished and perfect to my husband, mm-hmm. who used to be a magazine editor. Oh, that's and helpful. He would read them and then he would give me some feedback and I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I would judge them up. Then I would send them to my mother-in-law, who was a medical transcriptionist for most of her life. And she is the most amazing copy editor you've ever met in your life. And she would catch all the misspellings and the punctuation things and stuff like that. Um, We did have a disagreement because I like using an Oxford comma and she doesn't. And it took about three (laughs) chapters for her to let me win and have Oxford commas. That is a nerd argument. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, is she is a mom of a gay kid. So I would have her read it both as a copy editor and as a mom of a gay kid. And she would write these little paragraphs back to me about what struck her and what really, you know, made a difference and, and what she felt and heard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I would send them off to my editor at the publishing company and he would give me feedback to, you know, judge it up even more. Ultimately what happens is once the book is done, the publisher takes it and they send it out to their copy editor. Who, by the way, sent back a thing. It's like, this is this book is almost perfect. Um, they caught like two or three things. I told my mother-in-law, she's like, oh, I can't believe I missed any. Um, but from there, they sent it off to what's known as a content editor. And this is someone who's seen the book fresh. Um, and in this case, I believe it was someone who was not part of the community. And they would read it. And what they do is they look at the book from start to finish. And they would say, hey, you wrote about this thing in chapter three, and it wasn't crystal clear, but then you talk about it again in chapter seven, but you talk about it differently. Hmm. How, which version of that do you think is the most important? And they, it's amazing the stuff that they catch when they look at the book as a whole, at the entire content of it. And there were moments of like, 
this may make sense to you, but as someone who's not part of the community, I do not know what this word means. And so they would catch all of those beautiful things. And it was about a three month process going back and forth with them. They would send me these huge documents with just like quoted text, pull it out. Here's what we read, we're concerned about. Can you respond to it? And you go through this and it's really, really empowering to make the book stronger. Mm -hmm. So it has been seen by audiences of all different experiences. So my next question is, is how, how you said in the beginning that the, the intent and the desire was for you to write something different because there's other coming out books there that, oh, and stuff like that. How would you say this book is different? I would say it's different in the fact that, first of all, it's in my authentic voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That is a big difference. I also present some content that people don't always look at. And one of those being actually talking to your LGBTQ kids about sex. Mm -hmm. Um, Very few books are talking about that as part of the coming out process. And then taking that and linking it to the relationship thing. Because the thing that I find in my work is parents are going along, they're like, yeah, you can support my kid, I can support my kid. And then they start dating. And then everything explodes. And it's just like, well, how did you do this with your cis kid? And they're yeah. like, yeah, but this is different. It's like, is it? Well, yeah, because like, can your lesbian daughter have a girlfriend spend the night, mm-hmm. right? It becomes really complicated because I have had that experience as a parent (laughs) where my son, who is dating women now, had someone I knew was gay spend the night Mm -hmm. and who was older than him too by a couple of years. And I'm like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Because I also knew that this yeah, this older boy was attracted to my son too, just because, and the reason I know this is he went to art school and he, sh- I said, oh, I'd love to see some of your art. And they were all pictures of, <laughs> I said my son's name, sorry, all pictures of my son. And I'm like, okay, I think this guy has the hots for my son. But, and um, he was really, you know, and the thing is, is like, okay, what do I do? Like, I, it was something that I'd love to hear your opinion because I was like, (laughs) I let him sleep over um, because I didn't want to, I just let him sleep over. But it was like, what do I do here? You know, what do I do in this situation? You know, because I sort of, and I also know that a lot of times young boys, even straight boys have gay experiences. And so I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I totally get that. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that was important to to put in the book. And the other thing that I hope you also got to pick up on is I have a slightly sly, my friends call it elfish sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I drop that in the book sometimes too. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's important in the middle of all of this very fraught and serious stuff to be able to like you mentioned, have a moment where you take a breath but also mm-hmm. to sit back and be like, okay, that was a funny statement, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I put stuff like that in there. You know, when I um, look at the relationship chapter at the beginning of it, I, there's a whole thing about, cause the sex chapter was first. Okay, and so I gotta ask what you say about sex because I did not read that chapter. Okay. So tell me what you, I would love to hear that. What do you, what do you tell parents about sex? Well, the first thing I really think it's important for cis uh, cis straight parents to understand is that if you have a standard that you have set in your house, 
Like there are no sleepovers until you've graduated high school mm-hmm. or there are sleepovers that are doing holidays, but doors are left open or they're in the living room. That if you have those rules set up, you need to be consistent in those rules. Mm-hmm. What I find oftentimes is that parents will have a, a decision. Hey, our, our cis straight boy has a girlfriend. Um, once he turns 17, they can have sleepovers and she can spend the night and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then they're like gay boy comes out and they're like, ah, I don't understand what's happening in that room. So they can't have sleepovers and they can't connect. Mm-hmm. That right there is such an important thing to look at being equal in your conversations. And in the chapter, we also talk, and not graphically, but in a way of understanding how sex may be different for LGBTQIA kids and what that may mean and how to have those conversations and and potential ways that you can educate yourself as a parent to be okay with having those conversations. Mm -hmm. Because let's Mm -hmm. put it this way, us as professionals, we can have those conversations. My therapy room is such a sex positive place. It's it's not even funny. And I will ask the most awkward questions of teenagers just because I can, and they trust me enough to go with it. Mm-hmm. But for parents, that moment when you're like, okay, we got to sit down, we got to talk about <laughs> sex. And then you start adding on the idea that this might be queer sex and you do not understand. You have no experience of that it. will be. Yeah. That's what this chapter is really about is how to be able to have those conversations and to be supportive of your kid because our sexual development is a really important part of how we become human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really understand that because as a parent of, um, you know, one of my worries was honestly was pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And, and when you have a a queer child, that's not something that that takes out of, you take that, that you take that out of the equation. And, um, but then there's the question, is my child ready enough? old enough to be in a sexually intimate relationship with another person. And then, and then that it, 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 there's a lot of thought that goes into all of those things. Like it's really easy when you're trying to prevent somebody from having a baby, <laughs> but it becomes much more complicated when you're like, okay, are they old enough to be having these experiences at this point? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, can I tell you what, what, let me ask you two questions to like wrap us up today. Um, what was the easiest part about writing the book? Hmm. The easiest part about writing the book was imagining that there was a parent sitting with me and I was alleviating their fears. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what I do in my work. Parents get so fearful on this journey. And once again, it's because it's something they may not have personally experienced and they don't understand and all these horrible, scary words that change every three minutes are floating around them. Their kids are telling them they're not with it. And oh my God, that's such an old fashioned way of talking about that. And to be able to help parents walk through that fear, that was just such a a clear, crystal clear moment of how this was all going to come together. And that was a really easy part of, of seeing who the person was that I was writing this book for. What was the most challenging part about writing this book? There are a couple of answers to that, and I'll mm-hmm. put them all out there. One of them is moving through that moment of, I am putting myself out there to say, I have expertise in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really challenging moment when you're in the writing process, because there are moments in it where you're hit like, ooh, do I have what needs to be talked about this. And you have to really dig inside. You have to have support around you to say, yes, you do. 
mm-hmm. there's also a team around you that's going to support you in this process. Mm-hmm. So really being willing to, to say, I have expertise in this, and this is why I want to stand up and do this. Mm-hmm. Another piece of the puzzle, as we've talked about earlier, is that I have to do how many words? Okay. <laughs> we <had> no problem. <laughs> I didn't, but when you first see that mountain, it's enormous. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. And so being aware of that. I also think in this day and age that we live in, us as queer people in any business aspect of the queer world where we're willing to be out and open, currently we have to take into account our safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very high profile in this in the world because I do speak openly about the needs of LGBTQ people. And I understand. Yeah, here mm-hmm. in the state of California, I'm part of the California Board of Behavioral Sciences. And everyone thinks of California being this wonderful, affirming, magical place. So I just had my um, reappointment by the governor's office. And in the process, it has to go through the state Senate. And because I'm known on the board as being an LGBTQ advocate, I actually had some votes against me. Mm -hmm. Okay. There were seven votes against me. And there happened to be eight Republicans in the Senate. One of them was absent that day. Mm-hmm. I was voted against simply because of my LGBTQ identity and the fact that I was willing to be open and loudmouthed about it. Mm-hmm. This book is another layer of that. It mm-hmm. is out there. People are seeing it. People are commenting on it. And I have to look inside myself and be okay and be strong enough to say this message is more important and I will be safe, and I will be taken care of, and I will have people who will support me and love me and pat my back when I have a really bad day because someone's attacked me simply for being who I am. And that's a really big, big moment of choice. I think any of us who are LGBTQIA plus in any workplace have to go through when we decide to be out and open. But I also think it probably informs how your kids feel a lot especially when they're in school and they may not be in, there's no GSA in their school, gay straight alliance, straight alliance in their school, and they're the ones out. So it unfortunately probably reminds you about how they must feel all sometimes too. I'm, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you, John. I'm sure that was really sort of disappointing and unexpected as also as well. It was, it was very unexpected um, because I'm used to it. Like when I do like a radio show in Florida, I'm ready for the callers to come in and try and rip me a new one. I'm prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are moments in this process. Um, I did a really amazing piece for a national news organization. And I went in with the understanding that they were actually very supportive of the community and, and trying to talk about all these anti-trans bills that were out there. And when I got on there, the second question was a very anti-trans question. And it's really funny because you can watch the footage and I'm the only one who sees it, but I know what happened. I was like, had to reset my feet in the ground. There's this swallow you can see where I'm like, ah, okay, shift your brain, shift your brain, shift your brain. (laughs) You now have to be that voice, that powerful that person is willing to step up and say, hey, these are things that are not okay in our world. 
And it's, it can get really intimidating and scary sometimes, but I believe it's so important for our voices to be heard currently. And I want to thank you for doing that work because it's really, really important work and showing up fully as how you, as like you were wonderfully and beautifully created is so really, really important. And thank you for having all the courage to do that. Really, honestly, I understand because I'm I'm always worried that somebody's husband's going to show up at my house one day because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your, my last question is, what would be your piece of advice for somebody who's got that book in them? And I'm sure you have more than one book in you. Mm-hmm. Um, we all do. I wrote my book and now I'm like, I'm ready to write another one. <laughs> Mine was more autobiographical, but people are like, you should, you should write a book about how to come out later in life. And I was yeah. like, yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> well, I think that's a thing that's really funny. I found this with every author I've spoken to. Once you write one book and you understand it better, you're like, I've got seven more ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for anyone who's approaching this new, you have to understand it is a process. It's not going to come out overnight. You may see all these things advertised on social media that say, write a book in a weekend. Here's the deal. If you want to write a quality book that authentically talks about the message you want to express, it is going to take time. Give yourself some time. Do not do it in isolation. Find people around you that you can send chapters to and get feedback from. Even if you're writing a self-published book, that feedback is going to be the most important thing you can do because when you get too close to the project, you get blind to the overall energy of what it is. Mm -hmm. So understand there'll be speed bumps along the way. Find a supportive team around you. And really believe that your message is strong enough so that you can sit down at those scheduled times, as I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Uh, Friday morning and Sunday morning. (laughs) And do the process of getting that energy out into the world. Because the world does need to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. You know, I, um, when I wrote my book, um, I sent it to my niece, who's um, a communication specialist. She works for a very large hotel uh, chain here in the United States and is in charge of their communications. And she read it. And I was so glad I sent to her because she said to me, you know, I wrote about all the hard stuff. She goes, you know, Emery, Emery, it's missing the joy. Like when you first started telling me about your Tonda, my wife, she goes, you were so like thrilled and happy and exciting. And so I, I went back to the drawing board. I self-published. I went back to the drawing board and um, and I wrote a chapter called Joy because she was right. It was missing it. And so having somebody that can say, hey, this is missing from the story. And I'm really glad that she pointed that out to me. So thank yeah. you, John Sovic. I I have read parts of this book. It is very good. It is out a uh, parent's guide to supplying your LGBTQIA plus kid through coming out and beyond. I stumbled over that. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on this show today, John. And I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your insight to this incredibly hard, but beautiful and joyous process. Thank you. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, 
Take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.